All right, look what it says in verse 15 of Colossians chapter 3. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And I, a very important truth I want to try to get across tonight, that I, it will be a help to you if you let it. There are some things that just... Some, there's some people you just can't help. They have to help themselves. Have you ever heard people talk about that? And, you know, God helps those who help themselves. And obviously that's kind of a, a dumb saying. But at the end of the day, there are some things that God has called you to do that you do have to do if you're going to succeed. And there are some things that no one can do for you. No one can make you be happy. No one can make you be thankful. This is something that you have to, you have to make a choice about. And I believe that many who listen to this message, it will not have an impact just because we are all influenced by the American culture. As much as we hate to admit it, as much as we try to separate ourselves from the foolishness that is going on in this country, you know, it rubs off on us. And America today is a culture of victims. We really are. You know, I was joking today talking about how we're 9-11 survivors and stuff. And I, you know, I mean, by the world's definition of survivor, I technically am. I mean, when you stop and think about it, you know, but at, at the end of the day, I, I'm not going to, I don't get any, I, I, I'm making fun when I do that. But at the same time too, you try to take away someone's victim status today that thinks they have it and they don't appreciate it very much at all. I mean, people love their victim status. America has become a nation of surrender to everything except God. I mean, we surrender to Everything we surrender to, you know, because somebody's offended, you know, we surrender to just the most wicked, vile people in the world and just let them have whatever they want. And then uh, it's just but the last person anybody wants to surrender to is God. You know, we surrender freedom because of the possibility of a virus. I mean, that's the culture. That's our country that we live in. Churches surrendered and gave authority to the government because of a threat of fines or more than that i think it was a th- the possibility of negative publicity i mean churches are, i've literally been paralyzed by just what the community might think about them and it's like listen if the community what was knew what was being taught in most fundamental baptist churches they would be get outraged because our beliefs do not go along with society most baptists they uh, Pretty much all fundamental Baptists are very anti-homo. But it's like a lot of these churches are terrified people are going to find out. And so just understand, they already know. And once they need information against you, they will use those things. And so churches are just surrendering. Christians often surrender to Satan and they walk away from the will of God just because someone hurt their feelings or because a preacher preached something they didn't like or somebody looked cross-eyed at them at church. Americans, they have epic meltdowns because someone misgendered them. You know, and listen, if I ever get misgendered, I'm going to be looking at myself thinking, what is, did I do wrong? I've never been misgendered. Never been. Now, when I was younger, you know, we used to misgender each other all the time as an insult. But I've never, I've never been misgendered. And if I got misgendered, I wouldn't be mad at them. I'd be mad at myself, you know, for not, for sending an unclear signal. You know, our, our, our country, they get offended because a picture, I, I remember I saw one time there was a picture of a bunch of actresses and it says, what's wrong with this picture? I've been so trained by our culture, I knew as soon as I looked at the picture what was wrong. They were all white. 
And that's what everybody was upset about. It was all white girls. It's like, how can they do that? We gotta have, we gotta have diversity. Our country, they, I mean, they're literally doing things to try to stop people from microaggressions. And it's just like, I, you know, I mean, it's just, and you know, a microaggression too, you know, even just the fact that, um, well, do I need to find, everybody know what microaggressions are? My wife's like, I don't even know what microaggressions are. An example of a microaggression is just like if, you know, you're a woman working at some place and you walk into a room and it's like all white guys in there, you know, talking about sports. That's like a microaggression because, you know, women are made to feel uncomfortable because they might not know what's going on. And so stuff like that, you know, when you are in just natural situations that might make someone uncomfortable, those can be microaggressions. All right. That's like that's like one example. It's dumb stuff. Go look it up. But these are the things we're getting offended about today. Okay? That's how far we've come with racial relations and things in our country. That, and now, instead of people getting offended by somebody getting lynched or something like that, they're getting offended by microaggressions. And yet, you know, minorities today act like they're bigger victims than the ones of the past. So this, I'm saying all this to just explain, this is the culture that we live in. So while these truths I'm going to give you tonight are very simple, they are very difficult for people to grasp and actually apply to their life and experience. We have got to separate ourselves from this culture. The American culture is rubbing off on Christians and you are not a victim because of it. You're not a victim because of it. You're in rebellion. If you are like Americans and you have this victim mentality, you are not a victim. You are in rebellion Against God, because notice what that verse said. It said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. If you don't have peace, it is because you are not letting God rule in your heart. You're letting that man that you work with who mansplained something to you rule in your heart. You know, those are the people you're letting rule in your life. You're, you're letting that individual that said something mean to you or that gave you a dirty look or said something negative about your outfit. You're letting them rule in your hearts. We often let our enemies rule in our hearts. We let those who hate us rule in our hearts. And the fact that somebody out there doesn't like us, we'll let it drive us crazy. We'll let it get us off our game. I mean, right now, people, people are going to get stressed out because it's going to be holiday season. And they don't know how they're going to be able to handle being around their family because, you know, their family is very difficult because there's always hostility and fighting and all that kind of stuff. And, and the reality is often we let family members rule in our heart. And, you know, and so because they don't approve of everything we do, they don't like something that we do, that's going to bother you. Listen, don't let it bother you. Don't let other people rule in your heart. Don't let other people affect your attitude. Let God rule in your heart. Let Him. And it says, be ye thankful. It's a command to be thankful. We often think that thankfulness is all dependent on the circumstances surrounding us. That is not biblical. That is not what we see in the Scripture. The Apostle Paul knew how to be content in whatever state he was in. Paul, the Apostle Paul said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And he said that to a church that was in tribulation a church that was being persecuted, he told them in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So understand, thankfulness is not optional. Thankfulness is a choice and thankfulness is something that is a result of God ruling in your heart 
and you have to let God rule in your heart. And so, look, notice some things that it says. Uh, well, uh, turn over to Romans chapter 6. Let's look at Romans chapter 6. We went through this a while back uh, when we were going through the book of Romans, but this is really important. This is a call for Christians. And notice what it says here. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it and the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness with God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. And if I may just rant for a little bit too, because you know, there I'm noticing like a, a growing number of people in internet land that identify as free grace people. I would consider myself a free grace person for sure. I mean, folks, I don't think anybody can preach it any more clear, any more eloquent, any more doctrinally sound than I did when we went through the book of Romans. I'm not trying to talk about myself, but if I may talk about myself, if I may speak as a fool for a minute, okay? I think I made it pretty clear and I proved it very conclusively that salvation has absolutely nothing to do with works, that, sal- that your works are not even proof of your salvation. Nobody preaches that any clearer than I do, yet there is a crowd on the internet that is so determined to prove salvation is not of works and that works are not proof of salvation that it's like it is their goal to see just how wicked they can live while preaching the right gospel. And it's just like, can you, can you people straighten up your act? Can, I, I mean, it's just, I'm seeing more and more of these people. They're the, they're the ones too that want to like throw everybody in hell and they call them works backloaders. Okay, works backload. Listen, back, it's either works or it's not works. Okay, if they're backloading works, then it's a false gospel, you know, but, but is that even really a thing that they're doing? You know, and they, they come up with all these terms that where if you tell somebody they have to call on the Lord for salvation, you're adding works. And it's just like, I don't know what to do with you people, but here's, here's the thing. Salvation is not about works, but when you're saved, no matter who you are, you're not going to lose your salvation, but you have been called by God, to not yield your members as servants to unrighteousness. And if you have been saved and you're still yielding to your filthy language, if you still are looking like the world, acting like the world, talking like the world, drinking like the world, doing all the junk that the world does, you are not right with God. You are in disobedience to God. You are yielding your members instruments of unrighteousness. Oh, I'm still going to heaven. I know you're still going to heaven, but you're going to be in trouble on earth with God. Because whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son may receive it. And you, let me tell you something. Those people, people that are like that, they're not, they're, they don't belong in churches like this. We're trying to promote godliness. We're trying, because we want people to have abundant lives. We want them to have happy lives. And if you're just living like a heathen, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be thankful. You're not going to experience all these wonderful things that God wants us to experience. And if you're saved and you don't have peace, it is because you have yielded to something weaker than what is inside of you. You are in disobedience. You're not a victim. I just can't stop sinning. No, you can't stop yielding. You're yielding. You're letting it. 
You're letting it defeat you. You're letting it beat you. Every Christian allows this to happen every time we get overcome with... And listen, folks, I'm preaching to everybody in here. Lose the halos. Okay, You're not like that internet crowd. You're actually in church and looking decent and all that kind of stuff. But let me tell you something. We all do this every time. I do it too. Every time we get overcome with worry, anxiety. The, you know, and the difference is, Christians, when, they, when this used to happen to them, when they would get overcome with worry, anxiety, you know, all that kind of stuff, they knew they needed to get right with God. Where today, they think they're a victim and they wallow in self-pity. But there was a time when people knew, man... I'm not supposed to be feeling this way. I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to have this worry and fear in my heart over what God's going to do. I mean, we're not, we're not, think about how much we worry about money with full stomachs. Think about that. Think about how many people in America are stressed out today about finances while at the figure, at the same time, stressed out about how they're going to lose weight. Think about that. I mean, that's a uniquely an American problem. Okay. That, that, that's kind of how we are. So the reality is, we can't even learn how to yield to God and to let Him rule in our hearts with a full stomach. Where there were people in the Bible that did it while hungry. That did it while destitute. We read about those people in Hebrews. This, this is, uh, you know, we're not, we're not victims. We have no reason to wallow in self-pity. And I'm saying all this to just let everyone know, there's nothing I'm going to preach tonight that every saved person here is not capable of doing and probably doesn't do on a regular basis. And you know, there is a time to be sympathetic with people, to let them cry on, on your shoulder. And, but you know, there's also a time to just kind of slap somebody. Not literally, but maybe. I don't know. But to just slap somebody and tell them to fall in line and do the right thing. And that's kind of what tonight, tonight's message is. It's more of just kind of a slap in the face. Have you ever seen that in a movie where the person is panicking and somebody just slaps them? Well, you know, sometimes you just got to get people's attention. It's like, hey, it's not time to scream right now. It's not time to faint right now. It's time to run. It's time, you know, we, we need to actually do something right now. And, you know, that's kind of what this message is tonight. I want it to be just kind of be more of a, a slap in the face, not because I enjoy slapping people in the face, but sometimes we need slapped in the face. Sometimes, sometimes we need that. So, what are some things that we can do so we can let the peace of God rule in our hearts? So we can be thankful. We can follow these things that he said to do. Well, notice what it says in, uh, we'll start reading in verse 12. Because there's some things that we're going to have to follow after. And so notice what it says in verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Now, what what is bowels of mercy? Bowels of mercy. Well, the bowels... Was, it was you know, something that was traditionally regarded, it's like the, the sea of tender and sympathetic emotions. You know how you just feel stuff in your gut? and It was kind of just a term, uh, it was a kind of a figurative uh, thing. But listen, when it comes to mercy, mercy is not something that you should just do, but you should feel it as well. Okay? And again, if, sometimes we don't feel like being merciful. Okay? What do we do when we don't feel like being merciful? Well, you need to do it anyway. Okay? But understand, if you don't feel like being merciful, it's because God's not ruling in your heart. If God's ruling in your heart, He will help you not only be merciful, but you'll actually feel it too. Sometimes we need to do the right thing just because it's the right thing to do. Sometimes we need to be nice to people, not because we feel like it, 
but because we're just supposed to be nice to people. But understand, when we're not feeling like it, it's because something's wrong in our heart. We ought to love people. We ought to, and sometimes, I mean, folks, good night. There's, we all have times where we don't feel like it. But you have to, and you, and you need to do it anyway. But when you don't feel like it, that's when we go to God and say, hey, Lord, I've obviously got something wrong in my heart. Hey, we don't, we ought to go to church, but you know what? There's going to be days you don't feel like going to church and you ought to go anyway. But when you're not feeling like doing the right thing, that is a signal. That's a clue that something is wrong in your heart. Something else is taking over. That's not God ruling in your heart. When God's ruling in your heart, not only will you be merciful, but you're going to feel it. You're going to have bowels of mercy. It's going to, you're, it, you're, you're, you're going to mean it. It's not going to be fake. And so it's, it's okay. Be merciful when you aren't feeling it. This, that's just being obedient. But if you're not feeling it, something's wrong. And you just think too, you can't fake bowels of mercies. You, know, you can tell when somebody means it and you can tell when they don't. And so understand, if you're keeping track of everything that someone does to you, then you are going to be in a very poor mental state. Okay? If you're keeping a book on somebody, you know, you're not going to be in a good mental state. I would not recommend anybody keep books on people in the church. They offended me on this date. And then, you know, and, and listen, women, it doesn't count. All right, it's still the same thing, okay? I know you don't have books, but you all have sections of your brain that somehow can recall all these details. You know, that's why husbands, we always lose in these arguments and stuff. We can't, we don't remember the facts. We don't remember the details because we're merciful. We move on, right? We're ladies on this day, 1947, you know, you said this and then I, you know, and it's like you read a transcript, like you're reading a transcript. You didn't write it down. It's just in their head. Okay? That's not right. Okay. You, you shouldn't know the details either. It's not, it's, 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 it's not fair that your female brain is able to process all that information. You need to delete that information. You need to have, you need to have mercy and it's that, and it's keeping track is going to mess you up. So all these things we're going to be looking at too, that, that Paul said to do, these are all related to relationships with others, you know, and when you have relationships with others, you're going to be wrong. So notice the next thing that he said after the bowels of mercies, he said kindness. Now, when you think about kindness, okay, what's the first verse that comes to your mind? Be kind one to another. Isn't that always the first verse we think of? Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at verse 31. Notice what it says. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, why did he mention all that stuff before Ephesians 4.32 where he said to be kind? You know why? Because when you're around people, they're going to do things that are going to cause you to be bitter. They're going to do things that are going to cause you wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. That's just the way it is in life. And so the Bible says that we have to, if, if we're going to be, have God ruling in our hearts, if we're going to be thankful, you are going to have to be kind to people who make you want to be bitter, wrathful, and full of anger, and all these other things. But if you... If you do that, you're letting them rule. Why are you in a bad, bad mood today? My wife. Okay, so your wife's the boss. Your wife rules in your mind, in your brain. And listen, women have a lot of power over their husbands. 
mental state. <laughs> Obviously, you know, uh, that's, that's a real thing. As do husbands over there. You know, your kids, also the kids are the boss. But we need to admit it. Sometimes we are letting other people just dictate how we feel, how we act, how we operate. You cannot give people that power. If you are running on all these things, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, just mark it down. God isn't ruling in your heart. Why would you expect to have peace? You should have no, there should be no expectation of peace in your heart when God is not ruling in your heart. And so kindness, kindness isn't optional. And the, uh, the, the alternative to kindness is all the things mentioned in verse 31. And God said, put those things away from you and be kind. And be kind. Why did He have to tell us this? God doesn't have to tell the heathen to be kind to people that do good to them. Because okay? they automatically do that. The heathen are nice to people who are nice to them. They salute their brethren. They do good to those who do good to them. But as Christians, we've been called to be different. We've been called to love our enemies. We've been called to bless those who curse us. So we've been called to be kind to those who are doing things that are causing us to want to be bitter and have all these other problems. But we've got to put that away from us. So the solution to all the wrong is being tender-hearted or having the bowels of mercies and forgiveness like Paul talked about in Colossians 3. So another thing that he mentions too that we have to put on he says, humbleness of mind. Look at what it says in Philippians 2, verse 3. Humbleness of mind. Because this is probably one of the biggest reasons, and we will never admit this out loud, okay? And nobody's asking anybody to do a public confession tonight. But let's just let's be honest in our hearts, because one of the reasons, too, that God is not going to rule in your hearts, one of the reasons you're not going to be thankful, is because you have a pride problem. Okay? And... Folks, again, we all deal with this. That's why this, you know, this isn't the only place in the scriptures where we're warned of this. This is just where we're focusing tonight. But Philippians 2, 3 says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. See, pride causes us to be shocked that anyone would do anything negative to us. Oh, they don't like me? What is wrong with them? Why would someone not like me? I'm me. You know, look at me. I'm the nicest person. See, you see, it's that inflated attitude. Where if we esteem other better than themselves, it's like, you know, I could, I could understand it. it. It could be my fault. It could, it could be. That takes humility to admit something might be our fault. You know, it could, it takes humility to admit that, hey, maybe I'm annoying, or maybe I'm obnoxious, or maybe, maybe I've got a pro, I've got a personality problem. Maybe, you know, you know, maybe they don't like it that I egg their house. Maybe that's why they don't like me or something like that. You know, it's like, we, we never stop and admit, hey, or even consider, could I have done something? Because pride won't let us do that. But it takes humility to think people might be right. To not like me. Pride is what makes us think people are obligated to do what pleases us over everyone else. Well, why is that person doing that? Well, maybe they want to. Yeah, but I don't want them to. Okay, so your will is more important than their will? I mean, that's what it seems like. Well, or everybody else, you know, is okay with this, but you just be, you, you want them to change their life because you are bothered by this? 
What gives your feelings more priority over everyone else's feelings? I'll tell you what it is. It's pride. I don't like that they do this. I think that's annoying. I don't like the way he sings. I don't like the way she dresses. I don't like the way they do their hair. I don't like the way he parks his car. I don't know. I don't, whatever it is. Just, you know, whatever it is that's bothering you, you know, understand it's because if it's, if it's something that someone else is doing, it's not really your problem. And if it's bothering you and if it's causing you to have negative feelings, you know, just understand why should they prioritize your wants that they might not even know, by the way, over their own? What makes you think, especially when you are allowed to operate your temple how you see fit, you know, why, what is it that makes you think that they should operate their temple as you see fit as well? That's pride. That, that's the attitude. And folks, none of us want to admit that we're like that. But that's how we are. And so, humility will cause you to not take it as hard when you are done wrong because humility will also enable you to recognize how you might have caused or at least contributed to the problem. You know, and that's, that's not an easy thing to do. But, if you do those kind of things, if you have that humbleness of mind, it's not going to eat you up whenever, you know, Something doesn't go your way. You'll, you'll realize, you know, and maybe I'm the problem. And you know what? You might be the problem. You know, it, it, um, pride won't let you even consider that, though. And just understand, wherever pride's at, God isn't. God's nowhere near pride. The devil is always around pride. So another thing he mentions there in Colossians, he says meekness as well. And meekness, it is, it's gentleness. By implication, humility. That's what it says in the dictionary, the quality of being patient or quiet in nature. And so meekness, all, meekness always comes with humility. And those with meekness, they're able to get their point across whenever there is a problem or a disagreement without escalating the situation. The okay? Bible says in Proverbs 15.1, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. There are those who are meek. Okay? It's the meek that shall inherit the earth. And the meek, they're the ones that whenever there's a problem, they are able to find a solution. Where those who have wrath problems, we're just usually looking for vengeance. We're usually looking for you know justice in our mind is probably what we'll call it. But meekness, it does. It comes with humility and they do. They know how to get their point across. I, I love, I've talked about this before, I love watching cop videos where they go and just are good at de-escalating situations. When you have a, a drunk, okay, when you, when, you know, when you have a druggie or something like that, you know, it's, it, it's very possible that person can do some crazy things. And it's impressive when an individual is able to go with confidence and talk that person off a ledge, calm them down, and then stop the situation without somebody getting hurt. But I've watched other videos too where cops, they do, they just have a Barney, you know, Barney Fife mentality or an authority complex and they just go and escalate these situations and it's, it's terrible. And, you know, and again, sometimes, you know, it, it's a tough job, okay? It's a tough job. I probably wouldn't be real good at it because sometimes I have lack of, lack of patience with things and I would just be like looking for an excuse to tase somebody. But I don't think I want to shoot them. I'm not anxious to shoot anybody. I'm anxious to tase a lot of people. I, I, I would I would enjoy doing that, but you know when that but meekness it stops that. 
And so pride and meekness, they're nowhere near each other. And God is nowhere near pride. And so you might be capable of giving somebody a, just a complete and total verbal smackdown and even be right. You might be able to win the argument, but God will not give you peace in your heart. Have you ever, I mean, have you ever, and well, you know, again, let's just, let's just put it all out there tonight and just start confessing sins. But have you ever just thought, you know, I would really like to tell this person this and this and this and this and this. And you, in your mind, you think it would feel so good if I could just let this person have it. Okay? We've all thought that before. Now, how many have ever actually went and did it? And guess what? It usually doesn't feel as good as you think it will. Now, sometimes it feels really good at the moment. But later, I might have taken that a little too far. I have had moments before, I have had times in my life where I have finally just let somebody have it that I wanted to let have it. And I'm telling you, I can't think of a time when I went to bed that night and I'm like, just went to sleep in peace and felt good. Usually I'm just like, uh, you know, it's just, that's not how it works. God's not going to bless that. And so you need, we need to learn to how to de-escalate things, but that requires meekness. It requires humility. It requires long-suffering. Okay? And he says long-suffering in there as, as well. Um, and you can't just do these things one time and expect results. When it's talking about being long-suffering, okay, the, the kindness, the humility, the meekness, all these things that we've been, we've been mentioning, you don't just do these things one time. This has to be who you are. Okay, that's what it means to, to be long-suffering. And, and you say, this goes totally against my nature and my personality. Hey, it's called fallen nature. It's called sinful man. God's not okay with it. God knows you're that way. That's why God said, put off the old man and put on the new man. You realize you're talking about your old man when you say that. When you talk about your temper, okay, and we all have a temper to a certain level, when you talk about your temper, you're talking about the old man. Did the Holy Spirit give you that temper? No, that's the old man. Hey, the, you know, the bad attitude, the pride. God didn't give you that pride. The Holy Spirit didn't give you that pride. You were born with that. That is your old man. That is your old nature. God told you to put it off and to put on the new man. I, I can't. Why? Do you not have a new man? Do you not have a new man? Sometimes I wonder with some of these free grace weirdos that never prove anything in their life. Did you? Where's your new man? You know, are you just so determined to prove you're right about salvation that you're going to make sure your new man never shows itself in any way, shape, or form? Come on! We need the new man so you can accomplish more for God. So you can just not be repulsive. You know, let, let's show that new man. Let's let God rule. Let's let the Holy Spirit have His way in your life. These things are so important, but you, many people, they think, that I'll just do it one time. I tried it and it didn't work. No, it needs to be who you are. You just keep on doing it. You keep on doing it. Whether it gets the results that you want or not, you just do it because that's what God said to do. And so conflicts, challenges, turmoil, they are going to be anywhere that sinful people are. But some will choose to let God rule in their hearts, while others will let the sinful people, who in many ways are ruling, they're ruling you instead. And we know what? We can't, we can't let that happen. You know how many people there are? We talk to them on a regular basis when we go out soul winning. They are not in church. They're saved. They'll have a clear testimony of salvation, but they're not in church. You know why? Because they talk about all the evil people in church. Well, you know what? 
I think God knew sinful people were going to be in church. That's why there are countless scriptures talking about how to interact with other people and being kind and long-suffering and all these things. God knew that going to church and being around other people, that we were still going to be sinners. God never taught this doctrine. The Bible never taught this doctrine where once you get saved, just all your problems go away. No, it's a, we're all a work in progress and it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of effort. And so I cannot control what happens outside this temple. But you know what I can do? I can let God control what goes on inside this temple. I can let God control what goes on in my heart, what goes on in my head. I can let Him rule. God did not call you so much to let Him rule everyone else according to your will. Understand, God's in charge of everything, but God might not do the work I want Him to do on your life in the time that I want Him to do it. And I wish He would. I'd get you all straightened out just like that. But God is the one working in your hearts. God is the one that's working in your lives. The only one that I'm supposed to worry about is me. God dwells in this temple. I need to let Him rule in my heart, in my mind. And so I need to, and if I will let Him do that, if I will let Him rule in my heart and mind, I will be capable of real and true thankfulness. And so go back to Colossians 3, look what it says in verse 13 forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. Why would Christians have quarrel with each other? I mean, if we're all saved, we all got our problems taken care of. No, we're still going to have problems. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you're called in one body and be ye thankful. Do you realize our text verse, what set that up, what, what caused Paul to bring up letting the peace of God rule in your hearts, it was when he was dealing with conflicts among ourselves and so many people today, their families, their neighbors, their co-workers are making their lives miserable. They can't get along with anybody. Listen, Christians, we, we ought to be the best at getting along with our family. When, when you get saved and when you let God rule in your heart, it ought to cause things to go better. Now, listen, you're going to have challenges. Okay, if you go from, you know, before you were saved, you were drinking at the Christmas parties with the family, you quit doing that, yes, you better believe it's going to cause some conflict. But that's not you causing the conflict. You know, that's you forsaking sin that's creating that turmoil. But understand, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about situations like that. It, but it does seem like some Christians, they use what they learn to just become more divisive with people and bigger pains in the neck. That's not how things are supposed to work. It ought to help you be uh, at peace with people. And the truth is, the reason many people struggle with thankfulness is because they have an inflated sense of who they are and they have high expectations on their life, meaning they feel like because they're who they are, they should be able to keep up with the Smiths and the Joneses. So it's like, you know, because I have an inflated sense of who I am, I should be living on Park Avenue, you know, with, with the rich people. I should be driving the Teslas. I don't know. You know, I, I should be, you know, whatever it is, I should be wearing the name brands. I deserve these things. I identify myself with the elites. I identify with the rich. But 
you know, if you're the problem with that is most of us aren't. Most of us can't afford these things. And you know how many Christians have got themselves in a financial mess trying to live a lifestyle that you know, guess what? You, you might have an inflated sense of who you are, but your salary does not agree with who you think you are. Your salary does not allow you to be shopping. I don't even know what the expensive places are because I don't go there. You know, I, I go to Walmart. Amen. You know, that, you know, I, those are the, those places are Goodwill. You know, the, the, these are the places that I typically go. But it, some people, you know, they have such an inflated sense of who they are, they can't they can't be thankful for their stuff from Walmart. They can't be thankful for the good deal that they found at Goodwill because in their mind they think I should be shopping at at uh, what's an expensive place? Express, okay, Express. You know, so that, and but no, that's that's just not the right. Another reason too, many people can't be thankful is they feel entitled to the bad attitude they have because of all the wrong that's been done to them. But that's why Jesus said, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. We will never do more forgiving for others than Jesus did for us. But many people, because they are, they're always keeping track of everything, they feel entitled to their bad attitude. No, I deserve this bad attitude. Yes, you have the victim mentality. How, you know, and look at, look at Americans when you take away their victim status. Look, look, at how they, look at how they act. Look at how they respond. Again, you know, and watch me just lash out as soon as somebody questions my 9-11 survivor status. You know, and I'll, I'll go full American on them and just, you know, have a meltdown and uh, try to see if I can get uh, Elon Musk to cancel them on Twitter and get them censored and stuff like that, you know, because, no, that, that's dumb. But that, that's the attitude people have. Another reason two people can't be thankful is because somehow people came under the delusion that all life is supposed to be smooth sailing. That is not what God said was going to happen. God never promised that in anywhere in His Word that if we're right with God, that if we follow the will of God, that life will be smooth sailing. God only promised that He would be with us when the storms come. That's what He promised. God promised that we, in fact, God even said, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. God has told us He will be with us. God will give us victory. But we're going to have problems. The Christian life will always be full of challenges, tribulations. But it's supposed to be one, a life where in the midst of tribulation, God is ruling in your hearts and giving you peace. And this is why. And I am so thankful for the many people that I have known in my life who have I have watched go through terrible things and yet God was always on the throne of their heart. I'm thankful for that because I know a lot of people who have gone through things that I don't ever want to go through. I know people who have lost children. I can't imagine going through that. I know men who have lost their wives. I can't imagine going through something like that. And I've, I've known some who didn't do real well through it. I knew some who went through it just fine. You know why? Because they let God rule in their hearts through the whole thing. I'm thankful that not only do I have the proof from God's Word, because God said that He can do that, but I'm glad I've seen it lived out in people's lives. I've seen this with other people. And so, understand, you know, we, we don't have any excuse to not let God rule in our hearts and have peace. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Why can't you have righteousness during 
Bidenomics. Is that an excuse to not have righteousness? No, you ought to have righteousness during a Biden economy and a Biden administration. Even if he gets reelected, even if we get Kamala to be president, you ought, you can still be, that's no excuse for you not to be righteous. You ought to still do that. You should be able to have peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when the storms are raging in the world, we should be able to sleep in the boat like Jesus did. We should be able to walk on the water like Jesus did. We should be able to walk through the furnace and come out of it without the smell of smoke on us. God did not call us away from the storms. God did not call us away from the fiery furnace. He called us into those things. But He also called us to keep our focus on Him in the storms, to keep our focus on Him in the fiery furnaces. And if we will do that, we'll find, and so look, we'll be fine. Look what it says in Colossians 3.16. After all these things, it says, let the Word of God, or Word of Christ, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know what? If you're, if you're listening to rap and rock and all that stuff all day long, good luck letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. When you're listening to foolishness all day long, when you're listening to depression all day, you know, if that's the kind of stuff that you're listening to, you're, God's probably not going to rule in your hearts. These are things that we can do to help get us in the right frame of mind. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Do everything we do, we should do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, now listen, let's just go literal with this. I think it's okay to do this. You know, I'm not telling you to just go around saying this willy-nilly, but you know what? Everything we do, we ought to be able to say, you know, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. Isn't that what we do when we go out soul winning? We're doing this in the name of Jesus Christ. We know that. But folks, can you stick in that rap CD in the name of Jesus? I'm going to listen to this rap music in the name of Jesus. You're not even going to try that, are you? You know, whatever it is that you're about to do, I am going to go rebuke this person that hurt my feelings in the name of Jesus. Listen, you don't, you're not supposed to do stuff in His name that He wouldn't want you doing. How do you all like it when your kids go and tell their brother and sister to do something and then they say, Mommy and Daddy said, when Mommy and Daddy didn't say? Hey, you don't say Mommy and Daddy said something Mommy and Daddy didn't say. And you know what? We all know better than to go doing something in the name of Jesus that He wouldn't want us doing. So if you can't do something in the name of Jesus, you probably shouldn't do it. We're supposed to do everything. In the name of Jesus. So, you know, so just think about that. The next time you're ready to just go cuss that person out, can you finish out the cussing out of them with, and I say all that in the name of Jesus? Uh, listen, there ain't no way I'm trying that. I'm not going to go cuss somebody out in the name of Jesus. If you want to do that, go right ahead. But I, I got a feeling, I got a feeling Jesus is going to be mad at you when, when you do that. So, you know, we need to do more singing. We need to do less complaining. We need to fill our hearts and minds with the Scriptures, with wholesome things, if we want to have a good attitude. And Paul said, let the peace of God. Paul said, let the Word of Christ dwell. Because Paul understood this is a choice. And if we are not thankful, and if you are not sincerely thankful, it's because you have a heart problem. And you don't want to be like the Romans 1 crowd whose foolish heart, neither were they thankful and their foolish heart was darkened. You, you, don't want, you don't want to be like those people. We all hate the Romans one crowd. 
They weren't thankful. So you know what? Part of what we ought to do in protest this week against the homos and all that stuff, go be thankful. Because that's opposite of what they do. They're going to be busy. They're going to be busy complaining all week. You know what the libtards are going to do all week? They're going to be complaining about all the stuff the white people did to the Indians, all right, while everybody else is celebrating Thanksgiving, all right? Because they just can't be happy about anything. That, that's, that's what they're going to do all week. But you know what? We're not a bunch of reprobates. Let's just go and be thankful. I'm not saying we should have done bad stuff to the to the Indians, but at the same time, we take this week to be thankful for stuff. It's okay to do that. We should always be thankful. So with that, let's pray to your Lord. Thank you so much for your word and the examples that we have, the instruction. I pray that all of us in here will follow this instruction. There is not one person in here, including myself, that uh, has not struggled with this and doesn't on a regular basis. And so let this be a reminder. Let this be a slap in all of our faces, Lord, uh, to let you rule and to uh, let you have control and to let the word of God dwell in us. In your name we pray. Amen.